time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Greetings, my friends. How are you? And welcome to today's edition of the financial physician, Lou Scatigna here. Thanks so much for joining us for our Sunday podcast where we talk money, markets, politics, and anything that affects your life. Got a jam-packed show today, plenty to talk about, none of it good. Um, We're going to talk about now a special counsel has been appointed by Merrick Garland uh, in an attempt to cover up and stonewall the congressional investigation. We're going to dive deep into that later in the program. We're also going to talk about COVID vaccines, and uh, apparently more and more people are dropping dead, claiming disability, uh, having uh, myocarditis, periocarditis, and uh, just in time, Pfizer's ready to pull out their mRNA flu vaccine that they're going to couple with the COVID vaccine, and Uh, They can continue to do the damage uh, to the world population that they've been doing. Unbelievable that it's still out there, that they're still pushing this thing. And you'll you'll wonder why uh, later on in the program when we talk about uh, the vaccine uh, crimes that have been committed against humanity. Uh, I want to open up, though, with a very dire subject. Usually I start off with a financial subject on the program, but... Today, I thought I would open up with uh, this subject because it is so important. It is so depressing. And that is the ways that we're seeing the American way of life uh, disintegrate in front of our eyes in such a rapid fashion. Uh, And we have a revolution going on right now, a leftist Marxist revolution in America. And people better wake up to it because already our life has changed dramatically. And if they have their way, uh, life as you know it. Uh, in America uh, is going to be totally different. It, it's already different. I mean, you just go 10 years ago and look at what's going on today. You wouldn't believe it if I would have told you the things that are happening. The American way of life and the American culture is under assault, including the way we govern ourselves and the way we live each and every day. Now, this revolution started under the Obama administration. Uh, where Obama was looking to divide everybody by race or class. Uh, And then uh, that revolution um, got boosted with the frantic opposition to Donald Trump and his presidency. Uh, And now what we're looking at now is an America that is unrecognizable from where it was just 10 years ago. And it's getting worse. So the left has attacked the institutions of the United States very successfully with little pushback from the rest of us. And you have to realize that the left in this country is a minority, an absolute minority. If I had to guess, I would say 10%. But it doesn't take the majority to change the way a country operates. 
the way a culture operates. It's a very rabid, very vocal minority uh, with the backing of the press, the media, uh, and the, uh, the governmental institutions uh, that allow a takeover. Back in the, uh, the, the Lenin uh, Revolution in 1917 in Russia, only 12% of the country was for Lenin and the revolution. Uh, that didn't stop them from being successful. So this is the way they're doing it. Let's talk about the first attack, and that's free expression. In large part of American society right now, the corporation, media, government, public schools, universities, it's dangerous now to speak out freely. You can't have an opinion that's opposite or antithetical to the progressive's opinion. If you do, you could lose your job. You could lose everything. Uh, if you go to a DEI workshop, now you have to do this in corporations now, um, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. If you object that whiteness does not account for everything that's wrong with people who are not white, uh, you're going to be reprimanded, you're going to be fired, you could be ostracized. If you come out and you uh, suggest that um, man-made climate change doesn't exist, uh, that science is still under debate, again, your career, your livelihood are in danger. If you question COVID lockdowns or vaccines, uh, or use of alternative drugs like ivermectin or hydro, uh, hydroxychloroquine, and you're a doctor, uh, you're going to lose your medical license. Your career is through. Then if you want to, you know, say there's only two biological sexes now, uh, well, you're a transphobe and, and, and everything that goes with that. Uh, you're going you're gonna to be shunned by a lot of people. Uh, if you, um, you say something that, that the progressives don't like, they label it as hate speech that you need to be censored. Uh, so this is, uh, this is a suppression of free expression. And that's the first thing they have to do. You have to be lockstep with the left, uh, or you're to be destroyed in every way possible. The next thing that you need to do is weaponize the justice system. This happens in all Marxist takeovers. Um, and, and the way they do it is they take the Justice Department, they stack it with supporters of the left, and then you use that as an extension of the party. And you direct that Justice Department to hurt your enemies and help your friends. And we're seeing that now, aren't we? where uh, Democrats and uh, Republican presidential candidates like Donald Trump are, are persecuted uh, with all kinds of indictments. And then you have the Bidens and any Democrat that gets caught doing anything, nothing happens to them. And you remember Eric Holder when he was um, Obama's wingman? That's what he said he was when he was attorney general. Uh, and he became the first attorney general to be held in contempt of Congress. Did anything happen to him? No. Steve Bannon refused to go to Congress. He was held in contempt and he is facing jail time. That's the way it works. And that's the way weaponization of law enforcement, the FBI, the Justice Department uh, uh, works in the favor of the left. 
And never in the United States history has the Department of Justice and uh, sympathetic state and local prosecutors indicting a leading opposition candidate and likely nominee of one of the two major parties in the country and at the beginning of a presidential campaign. And there's more coming. Donald Trump is likely to be hit with more than 500 indictments from four different prosecutors, all of them associated with left-wing causes and Democrats. They're all Democrats. Uh, And uh, do you think that Trump would have been indicted on all these counts if he wasn't running for president? Do you think so? I don't. One thing Trump isn't charged with is bribery or taking money while he was in office. And the Constitution says that's an impeachable offense, by the way. Uh, and uh, who, who's accused of that? Oh, the Bidens and Joe Biden and his family who raked in millions from foreign governments when he uh, improperly used his vice presidency. Uh, and more of that came out this week. The Oversight Committee, James Comer, came out and said that he uh, has documents from banks indicating at least $20 million in transfers to the Biden family. Uh, We'll go over that later in the program. Um, We'll detail that. Uh, But the press says, well, we don't see any evidence that money went to Joe Biden and himself, as if that's the criteria uh, for guilt uh, in bribery. Um, But getting back to the weaponization of um, the Justice Department, you know, the last four FBI directors have e- either uh, admitted they lied under oath or preposterously under oath claimed ignorance or amnesia about events directly under their control. Or they just stonewalled subpoenas uh, about FBI crimes. Even the former director of the CIA, Brennan, admitted to lying twice under oath. Did anything happen to them? Of course not. They're Democrats. They have a get-out-of-jail-free card. The FBI also hired social media companies to suppress uh, news deemed unhelpful to the left or to the left candidate running for presidency. You know, so the, the FBI, the Justice Department, uh, have been used to affect elections. The last three elections have been uh, infected by uh, the FBI uh, doing what they do uh, to try to warp um, the election. We remember the, uh, the, the Russian hoax 2015-2016, Russian collusion, Russia's a, Trump is a Russian agent. Uh, then we have, oh, the disinformation from the laptop, right? All this, these ex-intelligence officers, 51 of them, signed a letter saying this has all the hallmarks of uh, a Russian disinformation campaign. When the FBI knew they had the laptop for some time and they knew that it was authentic, it didn't really matter. So the FBI, along with the Department of Justice, sought to influence three presidential elections in a row. And how many people said if they knew about that laptop, that laptop was genuine, they wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden. 17% of people who voted for Biden said that. So it worked. 
What else do we have degrading here in our society and our government? How about the attack on the Supreme Court? Now, once the court achieved a conservative majority, the left did everything they can and still are doing it to diminish the court. It had called they called for packing the court with leftist judges. They want to create a 15 justice bench. So what they want to do is do away with 150 years of uh, of history of the Supreme Court. You even have leftist law professors, uh, mainly in the Ivy League, uh, saying that um, the nation should ignore court rulings on abortion and affirmative action. So in other words, if you don't like what a conservative court decides, then you just ignore it. You also have protesters now mobbing the homes of individual justices, hoping to intimidate them, trying to alter their upcoming opinions. Remember that with the the leaked document on abortions? Uh, And now we have the media, which we'll talk about in a second, accuses conservative justices of, of illegal behavior, right? They're trying to throw all kinds of dirt at uh, Justice Thomas. Um, it just doesn't end. So we have uh, corrupt uh, government. Your government is corrupt. And that's the thing that you have to come to to conclusion is that you have a corrupt government. We are living under corruption that the nation has never seen before. And we're seeing it in all our institutions. We're seeing it in the media. The media no longer is an independent media. It's just a public relation arm of the Democratic Party. They don't report things that, that are damaging to the left. Uh, they make up things that, that, that are damaging to the right and conservatives. Uh, it's just quite breathtaking uh, how uh, corrupted uh, the mainstream media has become. If you were to listen to uh, the mainstream media, NBC, ABC, CBS, NPR, PBS, CNN, MSNBC, or if you read the New York Times or the Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times, you would believe all of the following. You would have believed that Donald Trump worked with the Russians to throw and win the 2016 election. Uh, you would believe that, remember the, he was mentally incapacitated, they said, because he was walking slow down a ramp and that they should uh, invoke uh, the 25th Amendment and have him removed. Have you had, heard one person say that about Biden, who is obviously incompetent and incapacitated? No. You'd also have to believe that in 2020, uh, Trump's campaign once again worked with the Russians to create exact replica of Hunter Biden's laptop computer. So they had all these dozens of fake pictures in it with prostitutes. Uh, They cleverly doctored emails to smear the Biden family uh, just to help his own reelection effort. That's what that's what the media was saying. You'd also believe, if you listen to the media, that, that Trump was the chief conspirator and planned a, a violent attack on Congress uh, after the election was over when he did just the opposite. He told people to patriotically protest peacefully. He offered 10,000 National Guard troops, which Pelosi refused. Um You'd have to believe by the media that none of Trump's political opponents have ever destroyed subpoenaed evidence, have ever conspired to hire foreign nationals to compile false uh, um, dossiers on him, 
you would think that he was the biggest uh, crook and corrupt official that we've ever seen in politics. Uh, you would think by the media that he was the only politician ever to question uh, an election result um, or seek uh, to get, uh, you know, some things overturned using, you know, the government's agencies to do it. Um, it it's amazing that for the first time in American history, uh, nearly all the major uh communication networks, whether it's newspapers uh, or it's social media uh, or it's television stations, have all came together to back one political party. And they believe that the, the role of media now is not to you know, report news honestly and fairly, but to advance uh, their shared progressive goals and then to defame opponents of those goals. And they don't care if it's true or not. That doesn't matter. The end justifies the means. Also, we have the degradation of law and order in our country as American society continues to degrade. I was in, a, in my pool at my community on Saturday, uh, actually Friday, and I was just overhearing two people talking, older people, and they said they love Broadway and they used to go all the time to New York in Philadelphia, uh, they won't go now. And I hear that from everybody. I hear that from clients. I hear that from family, friends, family and friends. Uh, and nobody wants to go to the city. And I was surprised. Uh, uh, I was just looking. Um, I may have had an opportunity where I had to go to the city. And I was looking on Expedia um, for the price of hotel rooms. And I thought they'd be very expensive because it is summer in New York City, right? They were very cheap. I was seeing rooms in good hotels for $150. You never see that in the past. That's because these hotels are empty. The city's half empty. You have crime, daytime crime. And, you know, it used to be that criminals used to wait for the cover of darkness. They don't even care anymore. Why? Because there's no consequence. Uh, they get arrested for anything. They're on the street that night. They're just turned loose by these district attorneys who have all been funded by the ultimate leftist in the world, George Soros, who was sowing havoc in our cities by funding these candidates with millions of dollars. Uh, and then they become district attorneys and don't charge anybody with any crimes. If they do charge anybody with a crime, it's either Donald Trump um, or some defenseless store owner uh, who uh, grabs a bat or something and tries to defend themselves. They're the ones that get... Um, charged with a crime. It's just so crazy what's going on now. We have homelessness exploding, people sleeping in the streets. I mean, the cities that we have in America now, all run by leftist Democrats and leftist uh, district attorneys, are hellholes. I mean, you have violent crime happening in these cities uh, that are off the charts. And um, if you're... Um, you know, work in a store, you see shoplifters, you, you can't stop them. Uh, it, it's just amazing uh, what's going on in America. And it seems to be part of the plan. It's not just happenstance that this is happening. Uh, you have leftist uh, attorney generals who are just uh, ignoring law. 
and just letting people out under the guise of racial equality and so forth and so on. And how about our schools? Uh, I'm glad my children are adults now. I couldn't imagine sending my kids to public school now. What goes on there? Americans, American children are so far behind the rest of the world in reading and writing and history uh, because they're being indoctrinated. Schools now are no longer a place for kids to go to learn. It's where kids go to be indoctrinated to the leftist ideology. They're also being uh, corrupted sexually with uh, sexually perverted uh, books and courses and uh, this whole gender uh, thing that's going on now where they want people to question whether they're a girl, whether they're a boy. They want boys to be able to use girls' bathrooms. Uh, girls can pl- uh, boys can play girls' sports if they just put a dress on and say that the, they identify as a girl. Uh, none of this stuff would have happened t- 10 years ago. It's quite breathtaking how quick we're losing our country. Let's talk about the military. Uh, it's being destroyed. Think about the, the terrible withdrawal from Afghanistan led by Joe Biden. And, uh, and now we have, I mentioned it to you last week, uh, American people were recently polled, and they have very little confidence in the U.S. military right now. You even have the military coming out. The president of the United States coming out and saying, we don't have any ammunition. We've given it all to Ukraine with all our other military equipment that's just being destroyed every day by Russia. Not to mention the billions of dollars that we're funneling over there. And now you have um, officers in the military expect to be promoted based on their uh, views on race and gender. That's what you're questioned on. Not on your proficiency to beat the enemy. That's not important uh, to who runs the military now. And now you have um, people uh, leaving the military when, when their tour of duty is over. The family members or friends and everybody else do not want to enlist because they don't want to be part of this sexist, uh, racial thing that's going on uh, in the military. So we're losing our empire. We're losing our strength. Uh, let's talk economics. Um, we're at the highest level of debt we've ever been in, $32 trillion. The deficit's just getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, uh, Americans, uh, as families, are in the most debt they've ever been in. We have the worst inflation we've had since Jimmy Carter. Uh, and it's, um, it's just getting worse. And I'm going to tell you, we'll talk about this later on. I think the biggest crash in American history is at our doorstep. You know, we have, I'm, I'm talking a financial markets crash, but we have a crash in everything else in, in our society as well, which I just laid out. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, what I'm talking about. And how about racism? You know, before uh, this whole uh, racial DEI thing um, uh, came about, the blacks in this country and minorities were uh, on the move. They were really advancing themselves. Uh, their employment figures were better than they ever had been. Uh, America's not a racist place now, but they had to do it. They had to divide us by race. That's what gives them their power, is making people victims, making people feel that they're being oppressed by the other side. And, uh, and they brought racism back by making people feel, or at least... Uh, trying to influence them to feel 
that they're being suppressed when they're not. And then we have this, this talk about reparations. I mean, California, they're talking about what? Give it three and a half million dollars to anybody who's of color. Meanwhile, there was never slavery in California to begin with. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, and uh, it's one thing after the other. America, as you've known it, is over. Uh, people are starting to push back now, but it may be too late. We're certainly It's certainly too late um, from a um, fiscal perspective. There's no turning back now. The country's best days are behind us. You know, financially, and when, when your finances collapse, everything else collapses with it. And, you know, in the course of history, empires and civilizations rise and fall. And uh, America is one of the most powerful empires in the history of the world. And now uh, we're expiring, as almost all empires do eventually. And it has to do with finances. Usually you start spending more than you take in. You start borrowing money. Ultimately, you start printing money to fund your deficits, uh, and then you have inflation and hyperinflation, uh, and then you're done. And you have uh, Americans more divided. Americans hate each other now. The two political parties hate each other, especially the rabid left. The rabid left uh, is lunatics. These people are nuts. They're violent, uh, and they're taught to be that way. Uh, you ever see these people like Antifa, Black Lives Matter people with the red hair? They're all gender crazy. These people are nuts. None of them have jobs. I don't know where they get money to live. But this tells you a lot about how divided Americans are. According to a brand new Rasmussen poll that was just released, 40% of likely U.S. voters believe that Joe Biden must win the next presidential election or the United States is doomed. Think about that. 40%, if you believe this poll. I don't believe any polls. They're all skewed. But even if it's close to 40%, that think Biden should be reelected or the nation is doomed. That's nuts. That's crazy. But nearly half the country believes that if Donald Trump is not elected, the nation is doomed. 45% of Americans believe that. So 85% of American voters believe if their guy doesn't win, that the nation is doomed. So whoever loses this next election, uh, you're going to have half this country really pissed off. And if it's the left in this country, you're going to have half this country very violent. Uh, and uh, we may be heading down towards civil war. Make no mistake about it. The next year, this election year coming up, is going to be the worst election we've ever had. We're going to have Donald Trump under numerous trials, possibly convicted of felonies, uh, but nonstop being persecuted, being dragged off the campaign trail to be in courtrooms, which is the worst kind of election interference. Um, and, uh, it's going to be horrible. Uh, Americans don't trust their elections now. So, you know, whoever loses is going to say the other one stole it. Watch the Democrats. If they lose this election, watch how they say, oh, it was rigged. Watch them protest 
outside the White House and the Capitol. And the media will say it's all fine. No, that's not an insurrection. Oh, they're mostly peaceful protesters as Washington burns. And uh, I'm a, I know I sound so negative today, but I, I, just, uh, I just can't believe where we are. I really can't. And a lot of it has to do with the things that transpired this week with uh, uh, them releasing the Bidens, you know, $20 million in graft and um, nothing happens to them. It's just, just think, you know, if you just think what would happen if it was a Republican, let alone the Trump family, uh, the, the hypocrisy in our country is really scary. It really is. And, uh, and unfortunately, like I said, I think we pretty much are, usually, are doomed. Um, and uh, how it ends, I don't know. It's not going to end good. Um, and I hate to depress you. But, you know, not enough people are talking about it. And I talk about everything here on this program. And I got to tell you, I'm very depressed. And there's something this week, maybe it was the Biden stuff and naming the special prosecutor as a way of covering it up. I don't know. It just hit a wall this week. I just hit a wall. And I wanted to uh, um, share that with you, you know, what's happening to our country. And maybe if enough people push back, we could stop this. Um, uh, But the average American, you know, goes to work every day and, uh, this is kind of like, uh, you know, the frog in the pot kind of thing where, you know, it's a slow thing, but it's actually very quick, the changes in America. And my grandparents wouldn't even recognize America today. Uh, and uh, maybe even my parents. Um, but uh, it's amazing how much has changed in 10 years. All right, let's take a short break. My name's Lou Skatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. AFM Investments' Luz Katigna has been serving Ocean County for over 35 years. AFM Investments brings a level of expertise, knowledge, and experience to the Jersey Shore that you would typically have to pursue with a premier investment firm on Wall Street. Whether you need income tax preparation or financial planning, he has the experience to help you with whatever your needs are. For more information, log on to AFMinvestments.net. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member FINRA and SIPC, registered advisory services through our Advisors. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Just a reminder that we have two podcasts a week now here on The Financial Physician. We have our main podcast that goes up by 9 a.m. Eastern Time Sunday mornings, runs approximately two hours. Uh, and uh, the midweek podcast I have up by four, four to five in the afternoon on Wednesday. And uh, the goal is to have about a 45-minute uh, program on Wednesdays. And we cover the things we did not have time to cover on the Sunday program. Uh, and there's always stuff that I never get to, uh, plus whatever breaking news we had uh, earlier in the week. Uh, and we cover that all on Wednesday. Now, this past Wednesday, I don't know what happened, but it was an hour and a half long. Um, an hour and 24 minutes. 
So if you missed the midweek uh, podcast, go to thefinancialphysician.com, get linked over uh, to Podomatic, and uh, and listen to it. We covered a lot of stuff. And I don't repeat myself. If I, if I cover it on Wednesday, I'm not recovering it on Sunday unless it's so earth-shattering that I don't want anybody to miss miss it. Uh, but I don't want people who go to the Midweek Podcast to have to endure me doing the same stuff over again. So go to the Midweek Podcast up Wednesday afternoon, uh, 4 o'clock. You can listen to it as your le- at your leisure, just like you can the Sunday show. Uh, but we're going to bring you uh, three hours. That's my goal each week of, of news that you're not going to get uh, anywhere else. Before we move on, I just want to update you on um, financial markets. Uh, this week was kind of a uh, you know a flat week for the markets. Uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average was up six uh, six tenths of a point of a percent, up six point four four percent for the year. S and P five hundred was down about a third of a percent, still up a very hefty sixteen point two seven percent for the year. Nasdaq was down almost two percent, uh, as it looks like uh, the Nasdaq may be rolling over. Uh, but still up 30.34% for the year. So it's a good year if you've been in a NASDAQ. Uh, if I were you, I would take those profits uh, before they disappear. And I'll tell you in a second why I think that's going to happen. Uh, one concerning thing in the financial markets this week is uh, uh, the 10-year Treasury yield uh, has crept up over 4% again. Uh, and now is at 4.15%. I think the high over the last year on the 10-year Treasury yield was 4.2 or 4.25, so we're really close to it. Uh, And it's pretty troubling seeing yields go up uh, in the Treasury market because that affects a lot of other things. I mean, Treasury yields, especially the 10-year Treasury, affects mortgage rates. And we have mortgage rates. The 30-year fixed-rate mortgage now is over 7%. The average national rate is 7.15, which obviously is getting seriously high right now. And you could see the the housing market's come to a complete stop right now. As A, people don't want to sell homes that have nice low uh, mortgage rates on them uh, just to replace it with a seven point whatever percent mortgage. Um, and people just can't afford to buy houses now uh, with the mortgage rates so high and the price of housing still very high. Uh, we don't have any movement in the housing market. Uh, quite unusual. Real estate agents uh, agencies are ghost towns these days. Uh, I feel bad for anybody in real estate, uh, anybody in uh, lending uh, that make mortgages or do refinancings. Uh, uh, You might as well take uh, the rest of the year off because it's dead. Another troubling thing in the financial markets right now is oil prices. Uh, Oil is up to $83 a barrel this week, uh, on its way to $100 a barrel, I believe, uh, and so do uh, many uh, analysts. Uh, the price of gasoline hit three dollars and ninety cents on its way over four dollars a gallon again. Not good. Not good for inflation. Not good for the economy. And it was announced this week that the consumer price index was uh, up three point two percent year over year. Uh, it's the first time that the CPI has actually gone up year over year, and I think twelve or thirteen months. Uh, but if you believe the figure, which I don't. Uh, you had that 3.2% on top of last year's inflation, which was 97 at this time. Uh, you know, you're looking at 13% inflation over the last year and a half. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're not going to give that back. So prices are still rising. And my view is that inflation is going to accelerate as we uh, go through the rest of the year 
due to this rising energy price situation. Uh, energy goes into every product. It handles shipping, everything, manufacturing. Uh, energy goes into creating chemicals and plastics and everything else. Uh, so I, I, I view that inflation is going to start taking off again if uh, only for energy prices uh, going up. And, and that's a big deal. Um, gold, uh, $1,946 an ounce. Gold is staying somewhere between 1900 and 2000 uh, over the last few months. Silver, uh, a little weak, uh, $22.66 an ounce silver, the most undervalued asset on the planet Earth. Um, and then you have Bitcoin, 29428 Bitcoin seems to have found a home somewhere between 29000 and 31000 So that's financial markets this week. Now, every economic meltdown uh, has been forecasted through signs that were out there. And you know, if you look at them uh, and you're, you're smart, you can see it coming. You can prepare yourself accordingly. Now, we're witnessing right now exactly the numbers uh, that happened prior to a financial crash. We have tax revenues are dropping precipitously. Demand for trucking is way down. Demand for cardboard boxes is down. Uh, We see shipping rates going down. Uh, We see earnings per share for FedEx and UPS dropping quite precipitously. Uh, we're seeing the money supply uh, shrinking, uh, which is very unusual. You don't see that too often. And it's shrinking at the fastest pace in modern history. And that's very, very concerning for the economy. Uh, the conference board's leading economic indicators have declined 15 months in a row. Usually when we see three months in a row of declining economic indicators, it's usually predicting a recession. We've had 15 months in a row, which tells me we are in a recession. They don't want to report it as a recession, but we are in a recession, and it's going to get much worse in the months ahead. So here are some of the trends uh, that indicate that you know economic disaster is on the horizon. So when, government, um, when uh, economic activity slows down, when less people are working, making money, companies are making money, uh, you see that tax revenues go down. The economy slows down. There's less sales. Uh, there's less income taxes. There's less sales taxes. And uh, therefore, uh, tax revenue declines. And right now, the federal government and the state government tax revenues are declining precipitously. Uh U.S. state and local governments just experienced the worst decline in income tax revenues ever recorded. This was the second steepest year-over-year percentage decline in history, with only the great financial crisis having a worse outcome. Note that federal tax receipts are also dropping again, now at recessionary levels and approaching minus 10% on a year-over-year basis. That's at the same time that we're spending money up the gazoo, that was like a drunken sailor, to insult drunken sailors. Um, so we're spending more money, we're taking less in. What does that mean? Got to borrow more. And the more we borrow, the more interest we got to pay. You know the drill. Also, when the economy slows down, uh, trucking companies see less demand for their services, obviously. People aren't ordering things. Um, so it's pretty alarming that we're seeing truck freight volume uh, absolutely plummeting during the second quarter of this year. Truck freight volume and spending in the second quarter of 2023 declined by the highest levels since the early days of the pandemic. 
the latest U.S. bank freight payment index revealed. Spending by shippers dropped 10.9% compared to the second quarter of 2022, while shipment volume dropped 9%. Um, so that's a that's a big drop in, in in shipping and truck freight volume. So that tells you something right there. Employment is supposed to be the bright spot in the economy, um, but the latest employment report shows that the U.S. actually lost. Listen to this: they say it was one hundred eighty three thousand new jobs created, but the U.S. economy actually lost five hundred eighty five thousand full time jobs last month. Now, they fudged it with the birth-death model, adding hundreds of thousands of jobs, but a lot of jobs being created right now are part-time, and a lot of jobs being lost are full-time jobs. Uh, So this is a pretty big shocker uh, when you see 585,000 full-time jobs uh, lost. And uh, U.S. employers now have announced more job cuts this year than they did all of 2022. And it just keeps coming. Every day, every business day, we hear another company uh, is laying off thousands of people. Uh, because of rising interest rates, uh, monthly costs for new uh, home buyers are about 20% higher than they were a year ago. And it's crushing the housing market, as I said before. Nothing's moving. Um, so you got a 20% uh, increased cost. They say the average uh, payment on a typical U.S. Um, mortgage now is $2,605 a month, 19% higher than the same period a year ago. Now, uh, the next area we're going to talk about is commercial real estate. I've talked about it for months on this program, that this is the big shoe to drop, is that we're seeing a delinquency rate on commercial real estate mortgages, on especially office buildings, um, uh, spiking to 5%. 5% of all outstanding commercial real estate loans uh, are uh, delinquent right now, up from a delinquency rate of 2.8 in April. So... It's, it's moving up quite rapidly, and it's something we need to keep, keep an eye on. Also, we got billions of dollars of this debt that has to uh, be refinanced over the next year and a half uh, on properties that have declined in value, uh, so the collateral isn't there. Uh, now you have higher interest rates. Uh, we have 5% delinquencies now with most of these mortgages at reasonable interest rates. Uh, this is a big, big problem. And you're going to see a lot of uh, landlords walking away from skyscrapers and uh, strip malls and hotels, uh, and banks are going to be stuck holding the bag on this. Uh, and this is a big threat to the banking system. Now let's go down to the personal level. The share of the U.S. population that can't even afford a $400 emergency expense just continues to go up. Uh, now it's 46%. It was uh, 44% uh, a month ago. Uh, so you got almost half of Americans not able to... Uh, come up with $400 for an emergency expense. So what does that mean? Well, they either have to borrow it from family or friends or rip out that credit card and, uh, and go further into debt at 22% interest rates. Um, not, a, not a good position to be in. But Joe Biden and all his defenders in the media and all the Democrats continue to insist that everything is just fine. Bidenomics is working. Can't you tell? Everything is so great out there. Well, I guess for Joe Biden and his family, if you're making millions of dollars a year, ripping off the rest of the world through bribery schemes, I guess things are pretty good. Uh, Bidenomics working for the Bidens, that's for sure. But for the rest of us, uh, things are pretty tough. Uh, and people are reporting, uh, this is very interesting, a lot of banks now are reporting technical glitches where um, people are seeing that their balances just disappear. 
They make a deposit and they don't see it. Uh, and banks saying, well, we fix this. This is just a glitch. Uh, but is this uh, really a glitch or is this something else? Uh, is there going to be some kind of cyber attack on America's banking system? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it's obviously, can you imagine going onto your bank account, going online and seeing all your money's gone? Uh, that'll wake you up, right? Uh, goes to show you, uh, don't put all your money in one bank, right? Well, better yet, don't put your money in a bank at all, uh, is my, my guess. But uh, things are getting worse in the economy. Uh, the markets are rolling over. I'm looking at charts and some technical things I look at. We have rising interest rates. We have rising inflation. We have rising energy prices. We got rising uh, unemployment, regardless of what the government tells you. Everything's a lie. Don't believe any economic number that comes out of the government between now and Election Day. It's all fudged. Uh, they'll no matter how much the economy contracts, uh, they won't report it as a recession. Uh, the last thing the, the the party in power wants is a recession during election year. They're going to have one. They're going to probably have a depression, uh, but the media will never report on it as such. And uh, and uh, that's a problem. Uh, let's look at food prices. You know, over the last few years, we've seen food prices in the United States and. And other countries around the world um, go up more than we've seen almost ever. Uh, and I've said before, this is just the beginning because global food supplies are getting tighter. We have, we have drought around the world. We have uh, uh, governments shutting down farms due to climate change. Uh, they want to grow food in Petri dishes uh, and, and have lab-grown chicken and beef. Good luck with that. Uh, nobody wants that. Uh, and... Um, as I said last week on the program, uh, that, uh, you know, we have uh, 2.4 billion people uh, around the world that did not have enough food to eat last year. 2.4 billion. And 900 million of them uh, are facing severe food shortages. Uh, and those numbers are going to certainly go up this year uh, with what's going on uh, with prices. Look at rice, for example. You know, rice is a core staple for billions of people around the globe. Uh, not so much here in the United States, but certainly in Asian countries, um, the other half of the world, the other side that we never see. Uh, more than half the rice imports in around 42 countries originate from India and in many African nations. India's market share in rice imports surpasses 80%. And the top consuming countries in Asia, Bangladesh, Bhutan, Cambodia, Indonesia, Thailand, Sri Lanka, for example, their share of rice consumption in total calorie intake a day ranges from 40% to 67%. So what has uh, India just recently done? It's restricted exports of rice uh, severely. So what are all these nations going to do that depend on India for their rice? Uh, according to the BBC, India's export ban, quote, has sparked worries about runaway global rice prices. Indian uh, indica white rice dominates around 70% of global trade, and India has now ceased its export. This comes on top of the country's ban last year of exports of broken rice and 20% duty on non-Basmati rice exports. So uh, we're going to see shortages of rice and uh, uh, rising prices. Uh, in fact, the, the price of uh, Thai white rice is already up 50% since the start of the year. Um, so uh, 
We're going to see that. We're seeing it with wheat prices. We're seeing it with meat prices. Um, and uh, we're going to start seeing shortages next. Uh, so uh, stock up on food when you can. Uh, but the one thing that, that is sure is food prices are going to go up. And they're going to go up a lot. Uh, so, you know, inflation, the government wants to tell you, is finally moderating. It's not. Uh, maybe it's taking a pause as far as the rate of increase goes. But we have uh, some pretty severe um, food shortages uh, and price inflation uh, coming down the pike for, for food and groceries. And we all know that. We see it every day we go shopping. And it's not coming down anytime soon. All right. Each and every day it becomes more apparent that the Bidens are the most corrupt political family, probably in the history of America. And this week, the House uh, Oversight Committee uh, revealed over $20 million in payments that they claim came from uh, foreign actors from places like Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan. Uh, and this all happened when Joe Biden was vice president. Hunter specifically received billions from Russian oligarch uh, Yelena Baterina, uh, Ukrainian energy giant Burisma. We know about that. Uh, Kazakhstan oligarch Kanish Rakashev. Uh, and this is, it's so egregious now. I mean, there's, there's no way to hide this anymore. Uh, but as we'll see, um, the Justice Department is doing everything they can to stonewall this investigation. Uh, believe me, if this was a Republican, let alone Donald Trump, any Republican, they would have resigned already. I mean, this that's how bad this is. You want to talk about Watergate and Nixon resigning? Uh, it, it This is just out of control. And they don't care. They just will do anything they can to whitewash it, stonewall it. And with the naming of the special counsel this week, who is the same guy who gave the sweetheart deal uh, to Hunter Biden? I mean, they, they're not even—they're not even trying to hide it anymore. They don't care. That's the thing you have to. Re- I keep saying that on this program. They don't care what you think. They don't care how it looks. It doesn't matter to them. And that's the scary part because this is what happens in authoritative communist regimes. They don't care what the people think. Do you think Stalin cared what his people thought about him? Or Mao in China. They don't care. And that's the scary part. That that they have no shame. They don't care. Because it's so obvious what's going on here. So uh, the Russian sends $3.5 million uh, to a shell company run by Hunter Biden. And oh, what happens? When sanctions come down on Russia due to the Ukrainian war, she is exempt. Uh, well, she got her money's worth, I guess. Uh, and then you have uh, Burisma paying millions of dollars, five million to Hunter, five million to Joe, and you know the the, the press. The re- it's just so disgusting how they act. Unless there's a check made out to Joe Biden within the memo, it says bribery on it. Uh, they don't consider him susceptible to any charges. Uh, it's just unbelievable. How about this? This Kazakhian oil oligarch I just mentioned um, wired $142,000 to Hunter Biden Shell Corporation to buy a new Porsche, which Hunter bought the next day, before a dinner was set up between him and Joe Biden. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's just right in your face. 
On March 25th, 2014, there were two separate transfers for $2.2 million and $200,000 uh, to, again, Rosemont Seneca Shell Companies, which Hunter and Deborah Archer used to receive other personal payments, such as those from Burisman. The committee says Hunter then transferred the money into another Rosemont Seneca account that he and Archer were able to access. After this, then-VP Joe Biden attended a dinner with Batterina, Hunter, Archer, and others at Cafe Milano uh, in Georgetown. Uh, and then uh, Hunter Biden and Archer uh, were being paid um, $883,333 a month, which comes out to exactly a million dollars a year. Uh, nothing to see here, though, because you know Hunter Biden is such an energy expert that he should be on the board of a foreign energy company. Um, but uh, all the bank records are there. Uh, all the numbers, all the transfers, all the suspicious activity reports. I mean, you couldn't have a more up, open and shut case. But again, every time the walls are closing in, the Justice Department and Merrick Garland uh, do something to try to stonewall the situation, the investigation. And now that there's a special counsel, now he can't come before Congress. Everything's going to be, uh, there's an ongoing investigation. We can't provide, provide you with documents and everything else. Now, if you recall, the same guy, Weiss, the special counsel, took five years to investigate the tax issues uh, with Hunter Biden. Five years. Allowing the statute of limitations to expire on two of the biggest years where they got money. I mean, so this is the guy we're supposed to trust? to be the special counsel. No, this is not. Uh, they're trying to make it sound like, oh, they're getting tough and they're naming the special counsel. No, they're not. They're just whitewashing this and stonewalling uh, the congressional investigation. Uh, and uh, they'll drag it out till after the election. Uh, and that's the whole purpose of all this. Uh, now, this is, what, um, this is what Merrick Garland had to say when he announced this. Upon considering his request, as well as the extraordinary circumstances relating to this matter, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint him as special counsel. This appointment confirms my commitment to provide Mr. Weiss all the resources he requests. It also reaffirms that Mr. Weiss has the authority he needs to conduct a thorough investigation and to continue to take the steps he deems appropriate independently, based only on the facts and the law. All right, so if you call those two IRS whistleblowers, uh, stated that Weiss said in a meeting that he had no control to bring charges against Hunter Biden in California and D.C. He requested special prosecutor status, special counsel status. It was denied by the Justice Department. Uh, but Weiss came out and said, oh, he could do anything he wanted. He had full reign to prosecute anywhere. Well, what is it? then why does he have to be named special uh, special counsel right now if he already had all the powers he needed? Something doesn't jive here. Um, and, and you know, like I do, and, and, and everybody knows it, that this is just uh, a cover-up. And it's a dirty trick by uh, the Justice Department. I mean, if you think that the Justice Department, um, the confidence in it by the American people couldn't get any lower, it just did. And uh, all this is going to do is delay prosecution, of Hunter Biden and try to slow down this investigation. 
And they're saying now that uh, with any luck, the official Justice Department final report on the Biden family shenanigans won't be released till December 2024. Conveniently, one month after the presidential election, they don't care. They don't care what it looks like. It's really quite, quite amazing. I mean, it all started with the election in 2020, the stealing it. It was right in front of your face. In real time, you could see them doing it. They stopped counting in six swing states all at the same time. How does that happen? Who got the call? Who made the call? I'd like to know. And then overnight, millions of votes are coming in for Biden and just enough to put him over the top. This is just this whole I opened the show talking about how everything is going down the tubes here in America. And this is just another example. Um, and now what they're going to do, uh, they're going to allow the statute of limitations to run out on other crimes like the gun crime. I mean, I believe the the, the gun uh, charge, I, I, I believe um, the statute of limitation runs out in December or later this year at some point. So now they're just going to drag it out until that passes. So this is a, a Hail Mary rescue uh, by the Justice Department, covering for the Bidens uh, by naming, uh, appointing David White special counsel. Now, the special counsel statute states that the special counsel has to be somebody outside of government. Well, David Weiss works for the Justice Department, so he's not even a valid special prosecutor. They don't care. That's the point. The law doesn't mean anything. I forgot who it was. I think it was some White House correspondent. He quipped, he said, appointing David Weiss is like appointing a crack pipe to investigate Hunter Biden. I mean... um, Weiss has already demonstrated his loyalty to the Bidens. He shut down investigations. He tipped off suspects before searches. He refused to interview Hunter Biden, hide FBI documents. He fired, if you remember, the, 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 all the investigators from the IRS were all fired just a couple of weeks ago. And then he gave that uh, favored son plea deal to Hunter Biden that's been thrown out. So they're trying to make it look like, oh, the Justice Department's now getting tough on the Bidens. It's just the opposite. And uh, they're just going to drag this thing out now. Uh, Weiss was supposed to come in front of Congress in the next few weeks. Now he's going to say, I can't do it now because I'm the head of uh, an ongoing investigation. Um, So this is uh, really uh, an in-your-face. We're going to cover this up as best we can. And uh, uh, here it is. The statute of limitations for the Hunter Biden gun felony runs out October 12th. <laughs> yeah. So there's going to be nothing's going to happen uh, uh, before then. And that'll just expire. And the clock is running out on plenty of other potential offenses of the Bidens. The fix is in. And uh, look, the Bidens are never going to go to jail. Like I said, pardons will come. Biden will pardon himself. He'll pardon Hunter before he leaves office. Uh, Nobody's going to jail. But that's not the point. The point is, is the president of the United States compromised as his family has received millions of dollars from Russia, from Kazakhstan, from Ukraine, from China? Uh, Obviously, they had to get something in return for that money, and they have the goods. These foreign countries have the the goods. They could blackmail the Bidens, and they probably are already. Certainly Ukraine's doing it. 
Oh, we want to send another, what, $20 billion they're asking for now again? More money to go over there into a black hole. And how much of it goes to the big guy? Because they don't even stop. So appointing wise special counsel, it's enraging Americans, even some Democrats, realize what this is. And I think it's going to push more um, disgruntled FBI agents and IRS agents over the edge to spill the beans again on them. Now, uh, Comer, uh, the head of the oversight committee, says this is not going to stop them from doing their investigation, but it's certainly going to slow down the investigation. Now, of course, the media, as I mentioned earlier, are no longer journalists. They are just the public relations arm of the Democratic Party and now the Bidens. Um, they don't even talk about it. And when they do, they they run cover. You know, last week, uh, Hunter uh, Archer, uh, Devin Archer, had closed door testimony to the Oversight Committee and said that, you know, Joe Biden was involved in business meetings and everything else. And he's Hunter's right-hand man. He's their best friend and business partner. He knew. He's part of it all. He was also on the board of directors of Burisma. Uh, and uh, you would think that the Sunday news shows um, last weekend would have really covered this entirely. Not, not surprisingly, they didn't cover it at all. Not at all. And uh, that tells you everything you need to know about the media in this country. They're not going to report or discuss anything that may harm Joe Biden or any other Democrat for that matter. Uh, And when they do mention it, it's always as, well, there's no evidence that uh, Joe Biden received any money. Oh, so everybody in his family received $30 million from foreign countries that Joe Biden met with, uh, uh, with everybody, a member of his family but him. So, you know, because there's no check made out to Joe Biden with bribery in the memo, uh, he's not guilty of anything. It's also predictable how these people work. Again, they don't care. That's the bottom line of it. They don't care. Now, uh, one guy who's been really vocal about this, and I like a lot, is Jonathan Turley, who's the constitutional lawyer. Uh, he's a professor professor at Washington University, a Democrat. Uh, he really knows the law, especially from a constitutional perspective. Uh, and he was on Fox News, and he reacted soon after this came out. And this is what he had to say about naming the special uh, uh, special counsel uh, against uh, Hunter Biden. Investigators are trying to interview uh, uh, um, uh, Hunter Biden. All of those questions are now likely to be delayed before they are answered. The other thing that I noticed was not in this announcement was a special counsel to look into the Biden corruption scandal. He referred to Hunter Biden once again. Uh, Garland has constantly been carefully framing uh, this issue as only Hunter Biden. Congress is looking at a much broader and more significant corruption scandal here. A special counsel would be useful in, in pursuing that. But that doesn't sound like the mandate that uh, Merrick Garland just gave White. Jonathan, two questions for you. You know, we've seen two molds in the special counsel. You've seen the Jack Smith special counsel, which has been robust and very public and rather rapid. And then you've seen the Robert Herr one looking into Biden documents, which has been notably uh, more quiet. You have said perhaps Robert Herr's face belongs on a milk carton because we haven't heard a lot from him. So in what mold do you think this David Weiss special counsel will fall, number one? 
And number two, does this provide any sort of impediments for the congressional investigation mm -hmm. into Hunter Biden and the Biden family? Well, I think that's the concern. The, the initial concern is whether Weiss is damaged goods. You usually uh, appoint a special counsel uh, who will satisfy all sides, that this is someone uh, who doesn't bring any baggage to the question, who can resolve these issues. These whistleblowers were critical of Weiss. You know, Weiss has suggested that he always had this authority. The whistleblower said that he said the exact opposite to staff. They suggested he allowed statute of limitations to run. Uh, that has not been the suggestion of the Department of Justice. So the reappointment of Weiss is going to raise some questions. As for the congressional investigations, there's no question that making him special counsel will now make it more difficult for Congress to get answers from him and from this investigation. It is not likely to deter Congress, however, particularly if they're shifting towards an impeachment inquiry. And once again, it goes to what is the mandate here? This goes beyond Hunter Biden. They've already allowed critical uh, crimes to expire. Now, for Hunter Biden, this is obviously a chilling moment. You know, his counsel told the prosecutors in open court, quote, just rip it up. Now, i got to tell you, as a criminal defense attorney, if I ever said that to a prosecutor in open court, my client would be toast. They would just say, well, that's fine with us. We'll hit you with everything we've got. So the question is whether Weiss is going to follow that standard response and say, all right, let me introduce you to my friend called Farah, uh, and you'll have an indictment as a, uh, as a foreign agent. And I'm also going to take a look at some of these other crimes. That's the cost of ripping up a deal in open court. Jonathan, it's Emily. So on that note, you know, just two weeks ago, the Justice Department agreed to allow David Weiss to testify and specifically to testify before Congress about the alleged cover-up. So does this somehow insulate him from that testimony or can Congress's power supersede any type of special counsel inoculation? It is. I mean, look... If he appears as a special counsel in the middle of an investigation, you'll be able to write his responses on a postage stamp. He'll just keep on saying, good question. Uh, we're looking into it. Uh, he's not going to be, you know, very forthcoming. What Congress expected is that given uh, the essential closure of the tax issues, that he could respond to these whistleblowers. This insulates Weiss and the Department of Justice more than it necessarily moves the investigation forward. Mm. Uh, it does not appear that Garland expanded the mandate. Uh, instead, he changed the status of Weiss, and he's going to be able now to say that there's an ongoing investigation. I'd love to answer these questions, but pound sand. As Alan Dershowitz said on my um, midweek podcast, uh, we're getting closer to the bananas, people, meaning banana republic territory. I mean... This stuff is so trans. It's so obvious to everybody what's going on here. Uh, Jonathan Turley laid it out very well. Uh, the Republicans are livid about it, and the press is silent. Um, and spinning this as well, the Justice Department may be getting tough on Hunter Biden. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, now Lindsey Graham, they had on too. I mean, this this, this is you know hour after the stuff came out. Uh, and I don't get Lindsey Graham. Certain things about him I like, other things I don't. Uh, you never know where he's coming from. You want to talk about deep state rhino territory, that, that that's Lindsey Graham. 
but this is what he had to say shortly after uh, Merrick Garland named David Weiss as special counsel. This was a political decision, not a legal decision. They're trying to put out a fire, and they just poured gasoline on it. Nobody in their right mind believes that making him a special counsel, Mr. Weiss, cleans up the mess that's been created. As I said earlier, people, your government is corrupt. Your Justice Department is corrupt. The FBI is corrupt. They're all corrupt. And the media is corrupt as well. And uh, they don't care, as I said earlier, they don't care if you know it or not. They're just going to continue to do uh, what they do. In a recent online poll on Twitter, Joe Biden ended up dead last in an international poll on respected leaders. Uh, who was first? <laughs> Vladimir Putin was first with 35.6% of the vote, followed by India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi with 33.7% of the vote, followed by Ukraine's Zelensky with 21.9% of the vote. So what did uh, Joey Biden um, get? 8.9% of the vote. Over 826,000 people uh, participated. And out of 826,000 votes, only 9% respect Joe Biden. And what does that tell you? America now is the laughing stock around the world. And again, it comes back down to how I opened the show. Everything that was America, all the good things that was America, all the respected things that were America is gone. And it's accelerated. It started with Obama. Uh, Trump was just a, a, a roadblock, a speed bump. Uh, and they got him out of the way quick enough through uh, the 2020 election. And now they've gone back to uh, the program, the progressive Marxist takeover of the United States of America. And the rest of the world looks at us and laughs. I mean, Joe Biden's a complete failure, an embarrassment on the global stage. He's just not, um, everybody knows it. Democrats don't care. Media doesn't care. Uh, that's their man. Well, our press never calls Joe Biden out on his corruption or his mental incapacity. That's not true around the world. They have a lot of fun with Joe Biden. Uh, let's join our friends from Sky News Australia and hear their take on the leader of the free world. Before we go, let's check in with our great friends in the United States, the leaders of the free world, just to see how they're doing. Here's their president, who's added a few wonders of the world. Greg Kennedy wanted to earth nine wonders, wonders of the world. Literally, think of that. You know, it's amazing. Nine wonders of the world. Literally, you know how he came up with nine? He's added himself and Hunter as the eighth <laughs> and the ninth. Or maybe he just got confused by the nine people in the audience. So the president of the United States is a laughingstock around the world. Our own press won't report on it, won't make jokes about it or anything like that. Uh, but certainly it's happening all around the world. But, you know, he's going to run for re-election, so we'll get four more years of this. All right, let's shift gears a little bit here. And uh, I want to talk about uh, COVID and COVID vaccines. We haven't talked about it in quite some time on The Financial Physician. And, um, and I guess because I'm just so done with it, uh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. But I get angry. I get angry every day that I see a news report of somebody young having a heart attack, dying suddenly, having myocardiasis or, you know, 
uh, other other blood clots and things like that. And just it, it just it pisses me off. It really does. Uh, you know, we we were we were told it's safe, it's effective, nothing can happen to you. You can't play football if you don't get the jab. You can't go to school. You can't go to college. You can't go to work. You can't join the military if you're in the military. You have to get it. Uh, you can uh, be part of Hollywood without getting it. And now we're seeing the results of this experimental vaccine all around the world. We're seeing people who are injured. We're people. We see people who drop dead suddenly. But there's never an autopsy. We never know what happened. And if there is an autopsy, it's never uh, it's it's never uh, blaming the vaccine. They say uh, he had heart disease, or he he just had blood clots is what killed him. But what caused the blood clots? Oh, well, they never get to that point. And uh, so here's an article that came out. It said, studies suggest U.S. government lied about myocarditis, uh, myocarditis risk from COVID vaccine. And Joe Biden banked his entire COVID-19 strategy on mass vaccination, so much so that the administration attempted vaccine mandates and even pushed for children who are largely not at risk of COVID to get jabbed. He warned about the pandemic of the unvaccinated. You remember that? And the winter of severe illness and death for the unvaccinated in an effort to scare the public into getting vaccinated, boosted, double boosted, triple boosted. Side effects, don't worry about the side effects. They're rare, we were told. Yeah, there may be an increased risk of myocarditis, but, you know, it's probably pretty rare. And the benefits um, override the risks. That's what they said. Uh, but according to a new Swiss study, uh, it's not what the, the government or, or the CDC study claimed that occurrences of myocarditis from COVID vaccines amounted to only 0.001%, or about one out of 100,000 doses. But according to a new Swiss study, it's nearly 3%. That's only 3,000 times greater than our own government claimed. And uh, the Swiss study involved 777 medical professionals who received the COVID vaccine with a median age of 37. Um, any evidence uh, of elevated cardiac enzymes just three days after receiving the vaccine is still hard to ignore. None of those in the study experienced serious complications, but a 3% rate of incidence is very high. Uh, but they lied to us. I mean, that's the thing. is Everything is corrupt. Don't you get it? And it's Biden administration. And it, before that, the Trump administration, the deep state. Everybody's in on it. Everybody's getting paid. Uh and uh, now it's kind of hard to cover up this stuff because we're, we're seeing so much of this. And uh, what do I got here? Here, this was last week. Denver Broncos. K.G. Hamler revealed today that he has been diagnosed with pericarditis. The news comes after Hamler experienced chest pains during a workout before the start of training camp. After feeling some chest pains while working out, on the break before camp started, I got everything checked out and was diagnosed with mild irritation called periocarditis. And of course, you know, they let him go until he fixes himself. Um, uh, but uh, that's just one. If it was one, it wouldn't matter anymore. But there's, here's this headline. Retired suddenly. NFL players and international soccer players injured after taking COVID-19 vaccines, pericarditis, arrhythmia, heart conditions, blood clots in legs and lungs. 
so here we go. Let me read some of these headlines here. I just told you about 24-year-old K.J. Hamler, right? 24 years old. That's normal for a 24-year-old to have myocarditis. Uh, July 21st, uh, NFL Cleveland Browns wide receiver, 32-year-old Marquise Goodwin, has blood clots in his legs and lungs, the team announced. Goodwin, 32, was placed on the non-football illness list last Friday after feeling discomfort in his legs and shortness of breath during team workouts this spring. The blood clots will force a receiver who's entering his 10th season in NFL to miss training camp. Uh, July 29th, four bizarre retirements from the NFL announced within 24 hours. Ages 23, 25, 27, 28. No explanations given for any of them. That's normal for a 20-something-year-old uh, to retire. 23-year-old rookie Monty Potterbaum was retired from the NFL today. 25-year-old defensive end Jabari Zuniga has retired from the NFL today. Uh, Rams 28-year-old running back Sony Michelle has retired from the NFL yesterday. Uh... Uh, Patriots wide receiver Jalen Hurd, a 2019 third-round pick by the 49ers, has retired from the NFL at age 27. Steelers 23-year-old fullback Monty Padva, I just told you about him. How about international soccer players? 28-year-old ex-Premier League player Nabil Bentaleb has, um, has retired due to medical concerns after failing a medical exam. Uh, Ex-Premier League soccer player Lars Dendonker forced to retire after being diagnosed with a heart condition. Ex-Premier uh, League youngster forced to retire age 22 after being diagnosed with heart condition. 23-year-old uh, Noah Fadiga, a Senegal player in the French League, had his contract terminated over irregular heartbeat. He also lost his license to play soccer in France. Uh, it goes on here. There's pages of this. Um, Franz Beckenbauer's grandson left football just 22 years old due to illness. Uh, this is normal, people. This is really normal. Um, 25-year-old soccer player Enoch Mwepi was forced to retire from Premier League after suffering a suspected heart attack while driving. German professional soccer player Marcel Schiffel has been disabled since COVID-19 vaccination and has been fighting for a normal life for one and a half years. Life has broken away. Hobby footballer Marcel Schiffel has been an invalid since the corona vaccination. And look, the mainstream media is not covering these stories, which is not surprising. I mean, these are serious injuries that are ending careers of athletes in their 20s. And these are, 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 are injuries typical of COVID-19 vaccinations. Myocarditis, periocarditis, unspecific heart conditions, uh, arrhythmias, and of course, blood clots. Um, and we're seeing people every day died suddenly. And the people who died suddenly, you know, they're scrubbed from the crime scene. I mean, you know, they're gone. If an autopsy is done, as I said, um, it's an indeterminate result. So that goes off the, the headlines. They're done. Uh, but people who are injured, however, uh, you know, they're still on the crime scene. They can't be scrubbed. Uh, they have untreatable injuries, uh, which is, to me, at least a constant reminder of the, the crimes committed by doctors, 
employers who made them do it, sports officials who made people get vaccinated or they couldn't play, uh, health leaders in the FDA, the CDC. I would never take it because I knew that this was just rushed on us. Um, And these are crimes. And of course, you can't talk about it. I lost my YouTube channel partly because I was talking about vaccines when they first came out. On this radio program, which I videotaped and put on my YouTube channel, uh, 15 years of YouTube history I had erased from my life. All my videos, all my television appearances, family vacations I had on my YouTube channel, all gone. Uh, That's a whole other story. Now, if you recall, um, uh, Rand Paul had called out Dr. Fauci in testimony uh, in Congress uh, a year or two ago uh, about gain-of-function research. And, 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 and Fauci said, no, we, he did not fund through the NA, uh, National Institute of Health, the NIH, um, uh, gain-of-function research. And uh, Rand Paul called him out on it a number of times. Well, now Rand Paul has evidence. He says, uh, cut and dry evidence, uh, that Fauci lied committed perjury under, under oath uh, regarding his funding of gain-of-function research. And this is what he had to say. He was on Fox and Friends, I believe it was Friday. Knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. You do not know what you are talking about. Really? Senator Rand Paul filed the criminal referral and joins us now. Senator, you've been all over this. You've been aggressive. You've been determined. It seems we're at the threshold to the point where you called Matt Graves and said, I need you to look at this. Uh, what, what turned the tables for you? What evidence do you have? Well, you know, I don't think there's ever been a clearer case of perjury in the history of government testimony. And I don't say that lightly. He said adamantly that the government never funded this gain-of-function research. We now have the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, has admitted that the funding came from the NIH. We have the acting director, Tayback, of the NIH, admitting it in writing that it came from the NIH. But now we have really the smoking gun, and that is Fauci in private saying the opposite of what he was saying in public. When he was publicly telling me that absolutely we do not fund gain-of-function research in China... He says privately, we are suspicious that the virus has been manipulated, and we are suspicious because we know they are doing gain-of-function research. He then goes on to describe the research, and it's exactly the research that the NIH funded. So he's caught dead to, right, he, dead to rights here, but we have an, an incredibly partisan Attorney General Garland who's refusing to act. So I've taken the extraordinary step of actually going to the local U.S. attorney in D.C. to see if he will act. Now, the problem is, is there are partisans littered throughout the yep. uh, legal system, and people are seeing this. You, you don't get prosecuted if you're a Democrat under this administration, no matter what you do. And one of the lines uh, in the internal communication that were recovered was, Tony doesn't want his fingerprints on any origin stories. Why would that be? Well, because ultimately culpability attaches. Think about it. A million Americans died. This is one of the biggest events you know, in our lifetime, other than, you know, the wars that we've been through. But in my lifetime, you know, there's a million people in Vietnam, as horrible as it was, 60,000 something, I think was the total death toll. And there we go again. Corruption in the Justice Department. 
Uh, they're so partisan, they won't even do anything with Fauci because he's one of them. He's part of their team, and you never go after uh, your own team. You only go after uh, the other team. Uh, here's another interesting thing. FDA drops ivermectin bombshell. Doctors are free to prescribe ivermectin to treat COVID-19, a lawyer representing the U.S. Food and Drug Administration said this week. FDA explicitly recognizes that doctors do have the authority to prescribe ivermectin to treat COVID. Ashley Hunold, a Department of Justice lawyer representing the FDA, said during oral, oral arguments on August 8th in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. So now it's okay. And what happened was three doctors um, brought forth a lawsuit alleging the FDA unlawfully interfered with their practice of medicine with the statements that they were making. Uh, And their point simply is, uh, this is what their their quote is. The fundamental issue in this case is straightforward. After the FDA approves the the human drug for sale, does it then have the authority to interfere with how that drug is used within the doctor-patient relationship? The answer is no, said Jared Kelson, representative of the doctors. You remember they came out, the FDA, August 21st, 2021. They wrote on their Twitter account. Quote, you're not a horse, you're not a cow. Serious, y'all. Stop it. Um, And it kind of went viral because of the way they, y'all, stop it. Um, And in other statements, the FDA said that ivermectin isn't authorized or approved to treat COVID-19. Now they're trying to say, well, it wasn't really a command, it was just a suggestion and something like that. Um, So... Uh, again, it's just corruption on every level of this government. And it's so frustrating. You get the theme of the program today? Um, here's another headline. I'm not going to really go into it. COVID, vac- COVID vaccinations show 24 times more adverse reaction than others. All right, finally, at least in Australia, um, the Australian, uh, I guess their, their Congress or their legislature, had uh, as witnesses there representatives from Pfizer. And they were on a hot seat, and they were asking them some very tough questions. And one of them was, do they know how the COVID-19 vaccine causes myocarditis? Now, they didn't want to admit that it does. So they, they, they dance around the question. Listen to this. And can you explain the process why the vaccine causes myocarditis and pericarditis? I'll take that, Dr. Hewitt. Um, Based on our clinical trials and pharmacovigilance data, as well as real-world evidence following the distribution now of of billions of doses of vaccine, we retain confidence, strong confidence, in the safety profile of the vaccine. Sorry, Chair, point of order. Point of order. I've asked, do you understand why it causes... I know that it's a low risk. I'm asking, do you understand why it causes myocarditis? I I want you to explain to me why it causes myocarditis. Do you understand why it causes myocarditis? Pfizer is aware of very rare reports of myocarditis and pericarditis that have been temporarily associated with vaccination. Well, that's still ongoing for some people. So, so Dr. Theroux should answer the question. Thank you, Dr. Theroux. 
According to public health experts and regulatory authorities around the globe, the number of reports of myocarditis remains small. Well, I'm not referring to the number of reports. I want you to explain to me the mechanism of how the vaccine causes myocarditis. Do you or do you not understand the mechanism of why the vaccine causes myocarditis? It looks to me like you don't. And if you don't understand it, why are you saying the vaccine is safe? without qualifying the risks. So, so, uh, Sr. Reddick, I think uh, Dr. Theroux is actually about to get to that point. Whether people agree, whether there's agreement to his evidence or not is another question for others to make a judgment on. Um, but if Dr. Theroux, if you could uh, again go to um, Senator Reddick's uh, question. Senator, uh, all medicines, all therapeutic products and vaccines have uh, benefits and have side effects as well. Looking at the totality of the evidence for Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, uh, regulatory authorities, health authorities, experts globally, including in Australia, within the Department of Health and the TGA, have maintained that the benefit-risk ratio... That's not the question that I asked. I asked, can you explain why the vaccine causes myocarditis? Yes or no? Uh, Senator, the benefit-risk Yes or no? So you clearly don't understand the pathway, do you? Because you can't explain it. I'm not referring to the cost-benefit analysis here. I'm referring to do you understand the biochemical pathway as to why the vaccine causes damage to the heart? Senator, I am happy to take your question on notice and come back to the committee with whatever information we can provide. I might just clarify, I was not referring to a cost-benefit analysis in my previous response. I was referring to the benefit-risk ratio and health authorities around the globe continue to recommend uh, the benefits... Uh, and that's, this isn't the question that I'm asking. Anyway, thanks, Chair. But, okay, just, just so I'm clarif clarify as well, Dr. Three, you've agreed to um, give further... take the question on notice and give further um, response to that question. Um, is that correct? Uh, that is uh, correct, Chair. As I understand, the question was about the mechanisms, uh, and we're happy to take that question on notice. That's kind of painful. Don't you hate that when somebody tries to avoid answering a question and they reply with something else? Uh, this is the first time that Pfizer really, in front of a really a government body, uh, you know, had to be questioned like that. I don't remember them being questioned anywhere here in the United States like that. You know, they're used to getting away with just blowing things off. Um, but they were called out there, and he just didn't want to answer the question. We'll get back to you. Yeah. Um, but you can see the at least some people in the Australian government are a little upset about um, the results of people taking the COVID vaccine uh, and the injuries um, that come. But don't worry, uh, you know, Pfizer is coming out with a new mRNA flu shot. Uh, for this flu season, uh, and they want to somehow couple that with COVID vaccine and make one shot uh, do all. Um, you know, I've never taken a flu shot. I never took the COVID vaccine. Uh, I had COVID twice. It was mild both times. I took ivermectin early in it, uh, in, uh, as soon as symptoms started. Uh, and I was over it in two weeks, and uh, the worst symptom I had was tiredness. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, six billion doses uh, of this experimental, some are calling it uh, a bioweapon, uh, have been injected in people around the world. 
And now we're seeing millions of people affected by it, uh, either through sudden death, uh, increase in cancers we're seeing, uh, strokes, blood clots, heart problems uh, in young people, uh, which is highly unusual. And um, now they want to roll out uh, the mRNA flu shot. Let's get you some more of that spike protein in you. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Last week, the United States uh, national women's soccer team uh, lost uh, in the World Cup and exited the tournament uh, the earliest, I think, the women's team ever did. Uh, and I got to tell you, I was thrilled. Uh, unfortunately, I was recording this radio program, so I didn't get to watch it. A friend of mine uh, texted me. I was rooting for these girls to lose so bad. I never in my life ever rooted against the United States national team, a United States national team, whether it's the Olympics, the World Cup, whatever. I was rooting for these women to lose. And the reason why is their lack of patriotism. You saw them like statues during the national anthem. They didn't even put their hand on their heart. They didn't mutter a word of song along with it. Uh, And uh, especially this Rapinoe, whatever her name is, she is uh, supremely arrogant, She's annoying. Uh, she's self-aggrandizing. It's all about money for her. Uh, and um, she uh, uh, missed an open. Well, it was, it was a penalty shot. She kicked it so far over the net, it wasn't even close. And, of course, she laughed about it, sparking outrage um, when she missed that crucial penalty kick at the end of the, end of the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, and later, you know, President Biden, if I want to call him that, I don't know why he did, uh, he, he tweeted out, U.S. Women's National Team, you've made your country proud. Congratulations on an incredible run. This team is something special, and I'm looking forward to seeing how you continue to inspire Americans with your grit and determination on and off the field. Now, this is the first time I laugh when Biden says anything or writes anything. Now, first of all, he didn't write it. Whoever handles his Twitter account did. Uh, but this bore no, no you know, relation to reality here. This team is not something special. In fact, this team is the worst, as far as performance goes, worst U.S. women's national soccer team in history. For the first time in all nine women's World Cups since the competition began in 1991, it crashed out in the last 16 knockout stage. And that was after it became the first U.S. women's national team to earn fewer than six points in the group stage. So maybe Biden's right. Uh, This team is something special. (laughs) They're very bad. The worst team in history, at least from the performance standpoint. And uh, he went on to say uh, they inspired Americans with their grit and determination. Uh, I doubt that there's one American who was inspired by this team. Uh, but it was Biden's statement that uh, they made the country proud. Uh, that one's that really got me. I can't imagine uh, a more disingenuous statement by Joe Biden. Oh, except that I never was involved in my son's business dealings. But, uh, but uh, yeah, he made, they made us proud. Uh, they made us proud that uh, they were the worst uh, soccer team in history. And I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I'm so glad, you know, that they were just so unpatriotic. I mean, think about 
and, and think of all the money they lost uh, anyway. But um, in future endorsements and whatnot. And this rap rapping, oh, she she's the worst. Um, the red hair, uh, she's so arrogant. Everything else. So I was so glad to see them lose. Um, uh, uh, I think America deserves a patriotic team uh, when they're considered the women's national team. Uh, and there should be some kind of uh, penalty for being unpatriotic as an American team. All right, so uh, Disney, uh, which did not learn its lesson from the Bud Light fiasco by employing a trans uh, to do their advertising, uh, Disney is paying a transgender TikTok influencer to promote children's clothes and accessories, including Minnie Mouse's customary outfit of a red dress, yellow pumps, and a red hair bow. So the influencer is named Sheehan, Sheehan Altman, who identifies as gender fluid. What does gender fluid mean? Does that mean that one day you feel like you're a girl, the next day you feel like you're a boy? That's kind of the worst thing to be. You don't even know what the hell you are. Um, so this is a promo for Disney Style, the brand name of the company's clothing line, uh, telling kids, well, just listen to this. Let's get dressed. Today, we're looking at the most iconic friend group, Disney's Mickey and Friends. And the character most like me is Minnie Mouse. And I have the most perfect dress to start the look. It even has little Mickeys on it. And I love how bold of a red it is. It's just like Minnie. I'm thinking of layering a fun collar, like this one, just to give it a little more flair. But now I feel like the dress needs more shape. So let's add this white petticoat under it. It's so fun to move in, and I love how it peeks out at the bottom. And to add even more shape, this belt should do the trick. Now for hair, I'm thinking of doing space buns. So let's pull out my hair donuts, and just like that, it kind of looks like I have mini ears. And mini wears gloves, so I need gloves. I'm also going to add this watch with Minnie and all her friends on it. It's so cute. But now, to be as bold as Minnie, I need a bold red lip. It's a classic, and it's so pretty. Now, let's add some black tights and pull out the iconic yellow pump. I'm just like Minnie Mouse. But wait, something's missing. I know. How could I forget? A giant red bow, the biggest fashion statement. And now the look is complete. I literally look like Minnie Mouse, and I fit in perfectly with Mickey and his friends. The bow with the dress and the shoes really sealed the deal. Now I'm fashionable, bold, and fun, just like Minnie Mouse. Well, I opened up the show saying that uh, culturally, socially, every way this country is going down the tubes, uh, it's unrecognizable now, and there's just another... Example of a woke corporation uh, that is losing money like crazy on all their movies because they're all woke, uh, and now they're, again, employing this person. Even after uh, the backlash against Bud Light uh, and, and, and other companies that have done that. Just amazing to continue to do this. All right, let's end with this. Uh, a supermarket in Austria shuttered this week after a venomous Brazilian wandering spider was spotted wandering around in the bananas, citing fears that a bite from the deadly creature can cause long-lasting, painful erections. Um, The penny market in Krems du Duna, which is about 45 minutes west of Vienna, the nation's capital, has reportedly been closed since Tuesday. The store manager allegedly rang the fire department after spotting the four-inch black and red creepy crawly Helpers sealed the store's banana crates, but the spider is still at large. The Brazilian wandering spider's venom stimulates an erection that lasts for hours, according to live science. Those who are bitten by the spider can suffer high blood pressure and pain throughout their bodies. 
The erection is a side effect that everybody who gets stung by this spider will experience, along with pain and discomfort. We're hoping eventually this will end up in the development of real drugs for the treatment of erectile dysfunction. Uh, there's a joke there somewhere. I don't have it. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, but we live in a mad world. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy times we're living in. Please share this um, podcast with your friends. Uh, that's how we grow. Uh, put it on your social media. Let people know about what we do here on The Financial Physician, where we talk about everything, money, markets, politics, and craziness that is affecting us all. We have our midday podcast. Uh, go see, go listen to that. It's up on Wednesday uh, at uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, go, go, go back to the Wednesday podcast, which is at thefinancialphysician.com. You want to get in touch with me, my uh, email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. You have something you want me to cover on the program or a personal finance question or anything you want to discuss with me, I am available to you at lou at thefinancialphysician.com. You want to come to my office uh, and have a no-obligation financial review. Well, I'll review everything going on in your financial life and give you some suggestions. Call my office at 732-905-8100, 732-905-8100. And if you're not local to New Jersey, we could do a telephone consultation or even a Zoom consultation if you like. Again, thanks so much for joining us and join me Wednesday for our midweek podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. And remember, I'm not far right, I'm just right so far. <laughs>